Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for March 8. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. In his Pensée, Blaise Pascal, the 17th century French mathematician and philosopher, wrote, Everyone seeks happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views. They will never take the least step but to this object. John the Gospel writer tells us of a woman at a well in Samaria 2,000 years ago who would have agreed. Like us, she longed for happiness, but it had eluded her. Five failed marriages testified to that. Thinking that love and sex and marriage would give her life meaning and happiness, she thought that each new man would be the answer. But each time she made the same mistake. Her life was a mess. She felt insecure, lonely and dissatisfied. But there came a day when her life was transformed through an unexpected conversation with a Jewish man. John chapter 4 Verses 5 to 42. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty again or have to keep coming back here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman said to him, I have no husband. Jesus answered her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. 
The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. No one said, What do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four more months, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Ignoring social, cultural, and political taboos, Jesus initiated a conversation with her through a simple request for water from the well. He didn't talk about her life or matters of faith, at least to begin with. Rather, he spoke then, as he speaks to us today, with concern and respect, meeting us where we are. However, it wasn't long before he took the conversation to another level, by speaking to her about living water. This provided a natural opportunity for her to open up about her hopes. It happened this way, as we read in John chapter 4 and verse 12. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty, or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus offered her water that would satisfy her deep inner spiritual thirst. He was saying that he is the answer to the emptiness and the longing for happiness that gnaw at our souls. Most of us aren't willing to acknowledge this, and the woman that day was no exception. We pretend we're doing well, but the reality is that we often live closer to despair than we admit. 
so we endeavor to offset our sense of emptiness by filling our social calendar, making money, being a success, even pursuing sexual adventure. But it never works. No matter how successful we are, no matter how intense the emotional relationships we might experience, nothing can be a substitute for the relationship with God for which we were made. But if we're going to find Jesus' answer to our longing for happiness, first we have to admit our need. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see you are a prophet. Suddenly she realized that Jesus, whom she had taken for a progressive Jewish man, was nothing less than a prophet with supernatural knowledge of her sin. She knew enough about religion to realize that she was being challenged to sort out her relationship with God. The big question was where to do this? The temple in Jerusalem? or a house of worship in Samaria? Jesus' response is, in today's world, politically incorrect. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now Jesus isn't saying that it doesn't matter what you believe, so long as you're sincere. Spirit and truth are not just synonyms for sincerity. When Jesus speaks of truth, he is speaking about the inner reality of God's being, which becomes visible to us through him, Jesus. True worshippers must worship the Father in spirit and truth. This can only relate to who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Later Jesus will say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The woman responded, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus' response is breathtaking. I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Literally, he is saying, I who am speaking to you, I am. Twelve hundred years before, God had revealed his name to Moses. I am that I am, that is my name. Jesus was not just claiming to be the Messiah, but to be one with God. The water that Jesus promised the woman that day would not just quench her thirst for real life, but would bring her into a deep, satisfying and eternal friendship with the one true Creator, Redeemer God. Four centuries later, Augustine, the Bishop of North Africa, remarked, Our souls are restless until they find their rest in God. The eternal life that Jesus has been talking about 
the water that will truly satisfy us, isn't found in the acquisition of the latest phone or some new sexual experience. The answer to our cry for happiness isn't in a new religious experience. It involves a personal, mutually committed relationship with Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. He gives us life by giving us himself. Consider what the woman did, leaving her water jar, John tells us. John is clearly a master of incidental detail. The symbol of the woman's emptiness now lies abandoned at Jesus' feet. She had found the living water, for she had found him. Things would never be the same again. You know, there are tens of thousands of people like that woman, with empty lives. We don't have to wait for anything special to happen to start a conversation with them. Rather, we need to be praying that God will open our eyes to opportunities to stimulate curiosity, to awaken awareness of need. It could even start with a question, have you ever read the real story about Jesus? Followed by an invitation to look into the first 18 sentences of that story over coffee. Using the word one-to-one, a very accessible, annotated version of John's Gospel. So let me pray. Almighty God, we confess that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, so that we may be defended from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen. People involved in this week's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and Carol McCormick, a member of Emmanuel Anglican Church, New York City. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978. The opening and closing music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you.